Welcome to People Not Patients, the conversation about modern healthcare that speaks to people, not patients. I'm Jess Walsh. And I'm Jesse Langson. So this is our first episode. It's so exciting. So let's talk about sort of what we're hoping to do here, Jesse. You and I spend a lot of time as people who lead a healthcare team talking about what good communications can do for health outcomes. Absolutely. I think it's a point of passion for both of us and something that I'm really excited to get to explore with you here. I think that's absolutely right. I think there's so much that comes through, not only on our team, but in, I guess in the business from a conversation. Um, and it's conversations between GPs and the people that they work with. And it's certainly conversations between us and our clients and our partners Um, but it's amazing what you can accomplish in just a person-to-person chat, and that is exactly what this podcast is about. So delighted to be getting it off the ground. We've got a lot of ground to cover. We do, and hopefully a lot of people to cover it with us because I'm pretty sure that people are having this conversation, and I think it's not been pulled together in one place. So if you're listening to this and (laughs) health communications is something you also talk to your colleagues about we'd love to hear from you in the future. Love that. Special guest call out. Special guest call out. Um, So I think starting with technology is probably the right place to jump off from because it is what is transforming healthcare every day and making sort of unimaginable things possible. Um, And we have this sort of mindset in our team, which is while this is happening, while technology is running away with healthcare, how can we keep things human and make sure that people, whether that's people who are newly diagnosed or living with an existing condition or families trying to find a diagnosis for a kid, how can we keep the human? And that applies to healthcare providers too, doctors, Mm -hmm. nurses, pharmacists. How do we keep things human while technology is changing our everyday experience with something so important as our health? Absolutely. We look at the things that are now possible with AI and diagnosing diseases that used to take 10, 15 years to get to the bottom of. And just because people are getting there faster doesn't mean that the conversation around getting that answer is where all of the problems end. It's still going to require a deep level of humanity um, and how we go about those conversations in a world where we do a lot of talking to each other over phones and texting um, and, you know, social media, all of which have a role, but are not replacements for human-to-human interaction and how do we create models that foster those in the places where people are now comfortable having those conversations, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time recognizing that we can and should do better. Yeah, and I think we've used the phrase before, please feel free to use your robots on my diagnosis, but keep <laughs> your cold, cold metal robot hands, cold metal robot yes. hands off my care. Yes. I still want to talk to you. And I think teams like ours and clients like ours have a real role to play in the education and the support. Right. Um, I think, and that extends so far. I think as a team, we're talking a lot about policy. Um, And that's a different way that we put barriers between people who provide care and people who need care. That's totally right, Jesse. And I think 
we named this podcast People Not Patients for a reason. Should we talk a little bit about we definitely should. what that phrase means to us? Because we use it all the time. We do. It's, I think, within the team. And when I say team, I mean broader than just the 20 people that sit on our pod because this is now something that we're talking about within HK around the world. Um, and our clients have now taken it on, which is really nice when they say, oh, that sounds pretty People Not Patients. Um, it's important to us. So this mindset basically means that Nobody really considers themselves a patient unless you are sitting in a waiting room um, in a very um, immediate and literal interpretation of a patient. You're just a person who is living their actual life or is helping somebody else um, living their actual lives, usually a family member. Um, We are people first. We behave as people. No one behaves like a patient. Um, And that informs, I think, everything we do including the projects we decide to take on. Um, What feels like it is going to be the definition of person-centered care? Because that is what this team not only does very well, but absolutely loves doing. Mm. I think that's right. And I see that in our work in rare diseases. Mm -hmm. I see it in our work in vaccines. Vaccines, oncology. Mm. So I think it's nice to take as a mindset, but also as a conversation starter and hopefully um, as a driver of change. So you sent me a podcast the other day uh, that really made me sit up and take notice. Um, And I thought maybe we would talk a little bit about how we see people not patients thinking in a lot of spaces these days. I completely agree. It's one of those things where I we're in a, a pretty constant dialogue over, over text and in person, sending each other things that are, you know, I guess when I look at all of our passion points, one of the big ones is stories about health that are told in a way that feels poignant and true, um, that has that ring to it that says, oh my God, I can relate to this because so many of the things we go through in our health are universal. Um, mm-hmm. We're all going to lose someone or our bodies are going to let us down at some point. And that can be to varying degrees or they're going to lift us up and we're going to accomplish things that we never thought we could. It definitely swings both ways. But this particular podcast comes from, um, well, The Moth. And it was an episode that featured Elizabeth Gilbert. It's from January 4th. We're going to link to it um, underneath the podcast. Um, But Elizabeth Gilbert is a writer who I think we've both enjoyed separately outside of this. But she was talking about, this is the anniversary of her partner's death. Um, Her partner, Rhea Elias, uh, passed away of liver and pancreatic cancer um, on January 4th, 2018. And the whole point of this episode was her talking about the fact that her partner did not behave the way that she thought a dying person would. And all of the preparations that she had made for this person to rely on her completely, that just went out the window when this like swearing curmudgeonly powerful woman just happened to be extremely sick. Um, I love when she talks about moving to Detroit, like after yeah, to party with her friends gone and made this like beautiful apartment for her with wide hallways that would accommodate a wheelchair when she obviously was in her, you know, throes of decline. And instead she's like, no, actually I'm going to Detroit to be with my friends. And right. After now, I go to Lululemon, come, and come if you want to follow me, but exactly. And what I loved, she actually had, she had a quote in there that I wanted to share. Um, and it is someone once told me there's no such thing as a dying person. There are living people and there are dead people. 
And as long as somebody is alive, as long as they have any sentience or sense about them, you have to expect them to be who they've always been. And I think that that applies not just to dying people, but to people who are sick and certainly people who live with a chronic disease. You are who you are. You do not behave in a particular way because you have had a particular diagnosis. And good health communications has that standing straight up behind it. Um, So I thought that was such a great example um, of, of a really powerful sentiment. And it's something that now our team thinks about. Um, and it's something we had a really nice chat about last week, which mm. was awesome. Yeah, totally. And I think that idea of people not being labels yes. uh, is really important. So, you know, you are the person who you've always been, whether you're on your way to losing your life or figuring out how you're going to live your life differently. Right. And you are still the person that you are. Um, Last week's conversation in the media was really interesting around cancer. I think Macmillan had done a piece of research and found out, you know, data behind exactly what we're talking about, which is people who have cancer don't necessarily want to be called heroes. So even positive or what we would have thought would have been positive terminology like hero or warrior or someone who's fighting, you know, valiantly fighting this illness. It's not really how the majority of us would experience. That's right. How much pressure do we put on somebody when we tell them they need to be valiant on top of being in the middle of a chemo cycle? Absolutely. And I think one of the the patients who was interviewed was saying, you know, I just want to get to the end of the day. I'm not really interested. Plus it also puts this expectation that, well, what happens if ultimately they you know, for lack of a better phrase, lose this battle, you know, did they not fight hard enough? No. And I think we were watching a piece of work highlighted by our colleague Candace Kuss the other day, and it was sort of looking at, you know, am I not fighting hard enough? Well, your cancer doesn't give a hoot about you. Your (laughs) cancer does not care about you. No. So why are we putting this whole emotional piece on top of what is already a really emotional um, thing to be diagnosed and and to be living differently because of an illness. So I think it's really interesting to me to see this sort of community coming to terms with this. We saw it in HIV when I started in my career. Um, We were always told to flip our language and to talk about living with HIV. And I think that was one of the first places that I saw the sort of much more, um, not positive framing, but acknowledging that people with HIV are still at the heart. People, they, they haven't become AIDS patients overnight. I think that's right. So, and I guess for some background, so Jess Walsh is our managing director of HIV Healthcare in London, but she started her career as an HIV advocate. It's weird to hear you talk about me. Is it? <laughs> I get that. Um, it's also funny because we have the same name. But aside from that, I think, and and Jess isn't the only, um, can't even call you guys retired advocates because you're still advocating just with a, in a different capacity. Yeah, I think Uh, so. I I like that work. I like it too. I think advocacy and communications, um, are really blended in our sector and I don't think you can really take one out 
and and talking about the blend of advocacy and communications makes me think about another thing we talk about. And I really don't want to add too many topics to today's conversation. <laughs> so maybe we park this one for next time. But you and I talk a lot about the role of communications and moving people from awareness to action. We do. And I think we could do a whole episode on that. We probably should. Yeah, let's do that. Because I think when we think about communications, if I were to pull a thread through the conversation so far today, and hopefully it's one we continue in our next episodes, it's truly what's, what's the full power of what we can do as communicators. Does our job stop at awareness? I don't think it does. And I think our business and our sector is starting to recognize that. Um, we're starting to do a lot more work with our behavioral science teams yes, uh, to bring in really smart science and understanding of human behaviors. And sometimes what we say we're going to do uh, is very different from what we end up doing. So starting to really understand those drivers of human behavior, I think, has been a powerful um, tool for us as communicators to start to move that needle from good awareness to great action. And that ties into this holy grail of how we help achieve better outcomes for people. And that really has to be the outcomes that they want to achieve themselves, right? So we do this in partnership. And that's, I think, what I'm excited to explore with you on People Not Patients is who else is interested in this conversation? Who wants to partner? More, I think um, we're exceptionally lucky with our client base to to have true partnerships in delivering work that we think is going to make a difference. And I think that's really the lens through which we look at our business, which is, is this work going to make a difference to anyone? And if it is, um, come work with us, come talk to us. That's right. I guess that's really my parting thing as well is we are two people who didn't start in healthcare communications right off the bat. Um, did a lot of other kinds of communications first and then came into health um, personally. Um, And that was really interesting. But I guess this is another way for us to talk to maybe people who are thinking about what they want to do for their careers um, and saying that this is an incredibly worthwhile and satisfying field where there is work to be done. So I hope in talking about the work that we get to do together and as a team, we're able to encourage other people to come do that work with us. Yeah, it's going to be good. Talk more about that. It is going to be good. Um, I'm excited. So thanks for making the time. Thanks for pushing me to get in a room and, and do this. And thanks to our partner, Saul, for helping us edit this, our production team. Yes, this. our production so. team of one, who is um, a very helpful um, addition also from our behavioral science team. So you'll hear us talk about them a lot. They're great partners. Awesome. So thanks for making the time. We'll speak to you soon.